Hello friends, welcome to 100 Degrees Below Freezing, a story and devotional podcast where we share the experiences we've had while following Jesus in the Alaskan bush. Sometimes odd, sometimes funny, sometimes painful, but always in light of Jesus. Grab something warm and join us in the adventure. Episode 3, Our First Weekend. It was about 72 degrees above zero, which is a distinction we've had to learn to make when talking temperature to folks outside of Alaska when we left Louisiana. It was 42 degrees below zero when we stepped off the plane in Galena that January day of 2011. So you can do the math between those things. It was a big change. We were to say uh, the least excited. We had sold almost everything we owned, raised our support, said goodbye to family, done four months worth of grocery shopping, and worked out the logistics of a winter move in just shy of two months. If nothing else, we were just glad to be done with all of that. Now on to our ministry. How hard could that be? We were greeted by a rather large group of people from our new church who had come with multiple vehicles to help move our family luggage, and groceries into our new home. These brothers and sisters in Christ introduced themselves, but in reality, we had to have a second introduction to all of them because it is nearly impossible to recognize someone who, when you first meet them, they are completely covered by Arctic gear. We ourselves had purchased some first-rate gear in Anchorage, and our four-year-old, two-year-old, and nine-month-old kids looked rather like the kid from A Christmas Story, waddling masses of synthetic insulation. My wife had actually forgotten her winter boots in her luggage while making sure that the kids were properly dressed, and she said that she nearly lost her toes on the walk from the plane to the heated car. We settled into our home, the church parsonage, which was neatly furnished with donated mismatched furniture. I believe someone brought us a crock pot of soup We began unpacking our luggage, familiarized ourselves with the house, put the kids down for appropriate naps, and generally settled in. This was now home, or at least it would be once we knew where anything we owned actually was. All our material possessions, you see, were neatly crammed into the two each checked bags and one personal carry-on that we moved on the plane with. It was Thursday, day one. You know, not too bad. Friday morning dawned. Well, not really dawned. The sun wouldn't come up for several hours after the 7 a.m. kids' wake-up routine. But we'll just say that Friday started. While we made breakfast, we talked about what the day would hold for us. And then the lights went out. A problem with the city's diesel-powered generator. Random power outages are not a super extreme situation, I know. Except for us, we didn't know where anything was. A flashlight, a candle, a match, the stairs. The kids began excitingly acting as though we had just called for the Grand National Championship game of hide-and-seek. And we were just trying to make sure that they didn't plunge to their early demises through the hand railing. And then an odd thought began to form in my mind, a thought that now is a normal reality but was brand new to me then. The thought was this. The outside of the house is presently trying to kill us. I say that sort of joking, 
but it was about negative 40-ish outside when the power went out. The only heating system that the house had at the time, we have since edited our heating abilities, was a fuel oil boiler. And guess what? It doesn't work without electricity. I was unsure how long the house would stay warm without this heat source working, a problem I now know I should not have been worried about for many hours. However, I began contemplating at what point in time do I start burning the couch to stay warm. Now, if only I knew where there was a match. After about 45 minutes of playing in the dark, the power came back on and we regained our sense of superiority over the environment. Nothing to fret about. The day continued with unpacking and receiving visitors and ended with no other near-death experiences. It was Friday, day two. Little strange, but not too bad. Saturday rolled over like a bear in its den, with no new excitement and nothing to write home about until about four that afternoon. Our youngest son would turn three the next day, and we had planned a little birthday party with my brother's family, who, if you'll remember, lives here with us. They're the reason that we know Galena existed to begin with. When the time came for them to head over, my brother calls and says, Chris, get your gear on. The school is on fire. On day three, I joined the Galena Volunteer Fire Department. Now, joined is a loose term. I showed up and have continued to show up every other uh, time there's been a fire event that I've been here for. At that time, a tornado siren would begin to sound that was connected into the power grid and would blare when a fire emergency was happening or was reported, and you would simply go outside and start looking for smoke. High tech, I know. For those brave souls who know the stress of firefighting, this stress was significantly significantly exacerbated by the fact that it was negative 50 outside. I was quite unaware that things would burn at negative 50. In fact, cartoons had prepared me to believe that the fire flames would freeze in place. But, as it turns out, a school shop building filled with heating oil, acetylene torches, Aerosol cans, gasoline, magnesium boat components, and the like burns quite nicely. Now, there were a number of problems at play during this event. The first problem was that the fire hydrants directly in front of the school were, well, frozen. Either a mistake in the engineering or in the construction renders two streets worth of hydrants inoperable for over half of the year. This meant that the only water source would be the city's water truck that is used to haul water to tanks built inside of homes. Side note, probably only about 30% of Galena's homes actually have piped water to them. Now, a fire truck drafting off a 3,000-gallon water truck does not take long to drain that size tank, which leads me to problems two and three. The downtime it takes for a water truck to leave, fill up, and return, and what happens to canvas water hoses when there's no water moving through them. It took about 15 minutes, which honestly was pretty impressive that it only took that long, for the fire truck, or sorry, for the water truck to leave the schoolyard, fill up, and return again. This means that we had to give the fire at least 15 minutes to recapture the area that we had just put out. As 
Soon as we ran out of water, we had to also quickly begin to uncouple the hoses, drain them, and then drag them across the parking lot into the main school hallway so that they wouldn't freeze in the interim between uh, water usage and then thus become useless to us. Hour after hour, load after load, we worked to keep the building from engaging any other buildings that were close to it. Many of the ladies from town were bringing food and coffee into the main school building so that we had something to warm up with during those downtimes. And it was there over an impromptu potluck that I got to meet most of the community members of Galena. After hours of disconnecting fittings, ice had built up on the threads of the fittings and was making it almost impossible for them to not leak. At one point, I was operating the nozzle. I know, first day on the job, and they give me that part. And when the water ran out, I dropped the hose, which had been slung over my shoulder, only to discover that the water had been leaking out of the fitting, down my sleeve, and into my coat. My right arm sleeve was frozen. It was at that moment that after the adrenaline had wore off that I realized just how cold I was. The fire chief soon uh, after said that the smoldering structure posed no further threat to the other buildings, and he dismissed the exhausted group of firefighters. I walked into our home and could not get the zippers off of my overalls to break free of their icy bonds, so I undid the straps, slid them off, and then stood them up on their own as they were crusted with ice. I managed to crawl into bed at about 3 a.m., the end of day three or the beginning of day four, whichever way you look at it. What had I gotten myself into? Day four officially began with a phone call from my brother. It was Sunday morning, my first day to preach at the Galena Bible Church. He had called to let me know uh, that it had continued to cool off overnight, um, and at that time, it was presently about negative 58. His vehicle wouldn't start, which was our planned ride to church that morning as we had not yet acquired a vehicle ourselves. Uh, he said that he would call others, but he was thinking that it would be a good idea to probably cancel church today, as most of the men had been fighting at the fire and were probably going to be sleeping in, then tending to the proverbial fire or actual fires of their own homes. So my first Sunday in Galena, we canceled church. My wife and I sat across the table from each other, drinking coffee and saying, God, where are we? We felt like the kid who just got pushed into the deep end and told, swim. Although the rest of that winter would prove to be much less dramatic, our first weekend solidly uh, solidified to us the reality that God had called us to a place that would very often not be comfortable. Life would be very physical. Situations would be very, very unfamiliar. But there was a joy that also existed through that first weekend because we knew clearly that this was a journey that God had laid out for us. What challenges came were already known by God and planned beforehand that we should walk through them doing good and proclaiming the excellences, excellencies of Jesus in the midst of them. When you get to the end of a rough season and you say, man, what a week, just remember the truth that is told to us in Psalm 139. In your book were written 
every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as of yet there were none of them. Our first weekend did not come as a surprise to God, and to that end, I rest easy. Thanks for joining me on 100 Degrees Below Freezing, stories we've lived while following Jesus in the Alaskan bush. To you, friends, I say, stay warm and never stop needing Jesus. Thank you.